You're working hard to put food on your family. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House! Alrighty, we'd like to welcome everybody to a very special Thanksgiving special of Pints and Diplomacy. Gobble, gobble. Uh, I am your host, Tyler Stewart. I'm your co-host, Ryan Comer. I'm the guy that sits off to the side. Perfect. Um, we have a very interesting show today. We have a comedian coming on for a phone call that we're going to interview. His name is Steve Hofstetter. We'll introduce him more later. Uh, we have a news recap, interesting things going on in the world the last few days. Uh, it's getting more chaotic as Thanksgiving approaches us. And we will talk about my experience getting the parlor app. So we'll cover some news here. Uh, so far this week, in the last couple of days, First thing on our news list for the recap, Trump actually kind of conceded and then backtracked that statement. Uh, he actually allowed the transition process to begin, which we thought was more of a, hey, Trump is now conceding. He's allowing, he understands that Biden is one. He's the apparent winner. And then eventually within like 30 or 40 minutes, Trump tweeted that he will not concede. Uh, the election was fraudulent, yada, yada, yada. He went down that whole pipeline again yeah basically he made it the way he kind of played it off was like i'm not going to concede but i'll let you guys do your little start start trying to pretend like you're a real thing you know it was just like a we'll let you get started but i'm not conceding in yeah well i think even uh to kind of leads into the next thing newsmax which is a part of the whole right-wing movement uh newsmax and uh one american news networks oann i don't even know i don't pay attention but um Newsmax actually called the race for Biden, said Biden's the winner. And then within like minutes, a bunch of right-wing supporters were just bashing Newsmax and we'll never listen to you again. So they're literally seeking out information that just <laughs> affirms what they believe in. That's, that's rampant in our society. Every, that's what everybody does. So why not? I don't know about that. That's a pretty extreme to just be like, yeah, we like you as a news organization because you're right-wing until you're not. And then we bounce you, it's, which is so funny the right wing is always talking about how they hate like the cancel culture that's literally what they're doing because <laughs> yeah. they won't fall in line with conspiracy theory ideology well, you don't fit my bias so you're not relevant anymore right you blame them that's what trump's been doing anytime somebody disagrees with trump he fires them bashes them on social media that's the kind of mentality our, that, that trump is, is shown that's the leadership he has uh next thing on our list here one of our special guests rita hart Very she is in one of the closest races for Congress and probably American history. It is absolutely insanity. So I can give you uh, some background here. Election night, I believe maybe the day after the election, they called the race or they said uh, Marionette Miller Meeks was going to be the, she is the you know, leading vote getter. She has the most votes. Jasper County, they did a recount because they had an issue with their machine. And after the recount, it showed that Rita Hart was actually the leader of uh, Iowa District 2, pulled ahead by a certain amount of votes. Well, then we found out another county had a similar issue, and they recounted their votes, which gave Marionette Miller-Meeks the lead back. So it's gone from Marionette Miller-Meeks to Rita to back, and now here we are. There's a formal recount underway for all 24 counties in Iowa, and after 23 counties have counted, they're sitting at, I believe, like seven or eight votes of a difference. 
And this so one, county, one county left to do a recount. That that's for my information. What I've been, what I have been told, there's one county. I believe it is Clinton County, and they are waiting on them to see how many that will net for Rita Hart. I believe it was interesting. I think it was Clinton County. If I'm wrong, I'm just going to delete this later. Anyways, uh, I believe Clinton County went red for Trump, but blue for Rita Hart in almost the same kind of difference, which is super fascinating. And this was a race that leading into the election was a complete toss up. Like nobody knew what was what, as far as I remember, because it wasn't, I mean, you don't really get reliable polls in these races anyway, but it was also, there was some showing Rita had some showing Meeks ahead. And they were all within the margin of error. Mm -hmm. We'll be interesting to see the next few days. I believe the 30th they've been, their campaign has been told the 30th is when they should have more final results by then, but that could come before then as well. So we'll that, see. That what the state has to certify, right, on the 30th? Yeah. And, and actually, I believe, I should probably fact check this, but I, it came from a very reliable source, and it included the statute from the Iowa Code. And it said that if there is an actual certified tie, what they do is they take two pieces of paper or a, like very similar material, and they put it in a receptacle that you cannot see, like you can't see inside of it, and they will have a designated person draw a name out of that receptacle and that's the winner. What? It comes up to a like a 50-50 coin toss, essentially? Isn't that wild? There are, like, in the Iowa caucuses, this shouldn't shock us. In the Iowa caucuses, they can flip a coin for a delegate or something like that at the very end if it gets... But that's if, the caucuses. Those don't, like, really matter. They don't whoa, do anything. Whoa, 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 They don't have a functional impact on the election. We're pro-caucus here. This, this is a pro... pro I, no, I'm not saying the caucuses are useless. I'm just saying... There's a difference between deciding who wins a caucus and actually deciding who gets the seat by a coin toss. Those are two very different things. You're right. You're right. But trying to take it easy on the caucuses, man. They want to take them away. It wasn't meant to be like a skating rebuke. I know it sounded that way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another thing I did the other day, and this has led to some issues. I I downloaded the Parler app. I'm guessing you both know what the Parler app is, but for people that don't know, the Parler app is a allegedly free thinking app where you're allowed to join for social media and interact with people from any background. Uh, turns out it's not really true. They just say, hey, here's social media, say what you want. There's no regulation on it, which then in turn leads to some blatant misinformation. Um, this, is a tr- this is true. When I, do- I downloaded the app, created a profile and it automatically like posts one message for you right off the bat. And it's like, Hey, this I'm, and it shows like your at symbol or whatever it is. And I just joined parlor, you know, please interact with me or something like that. And then it shows like three messages on it. That's like three comments already on your first post. And one of them was from team Trump. And it's asking you to like uh, text this number to support, you know, Donald Trump and yada. So it literally are the moment you get into this app and download a profile or create one, it's already gearing you towards Trump and right-wing policies instantly. So calling garbage on what they do. This is, it's, I'm, I don't know how to address this, but I have been making some pretty obnoxious, I've been, I just comment on people's posts and I say some pretty obnoxious things. Um, if I can look up some of my- You're com- going to be part of the solution, Tyler. <laughs> sarcastic, I thought. I thought it was just being sarcastic and they just, so like literally one of the things, Laura Ingram posted something about her show, The Ingram Angle, and- I just commented sarcastically, is the Ingram angle in the same neighborhood as the no spin zone? Something stupid, simple, 
three, got three up, they're called upvotes. I got three upvotes. Um, somebody, some lady posted a picture of her with this huge gun. Marjorie Taylor Greene, I believe her name was. Huge gun. She posted something and said, like, win this raffle to, or join this raffle to win an AR-15 pistol. Didn't know that was a thing, an AR-15 pistol. Gun was huge. Looked pretty intense. And so I commented and said, absolutely, I definitely want my own AR-15 pistol. 14 upvotes. Here's where it gets ugly. I started just making stupid accusations. I'm not even sure what I was commenting on here, but somebody said something about like they're criticizing Jeff Bezos. And I was like, Jeff Bezos? More like George Soros in a costume. Halloween was last month. 96 upvotes. 96. Stupid stuff I'm saying. Doesn't make sense. I was going to become a right-wing icon. For you. I don't know. Um, <laughs> change the show. I, I literally quoted Clayton Bigsby from Chappelle's show. Um, sorry, we're not allowed, I don't think we're allowed to say Chappelle's show. We do not watch Chappelle's show. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Don't watch Chappelle's show. I'm quoting Chappelle's show. Move on. It says, it says right here, I just commented something. I said, don't let the liberal teachers, I changed uh, media with teachers. Don't let the liberal teachers tell you how to think and feel. If you've got hate in your heart, let it out. That five up votes. Here's where it gets really weird. I started tailoring a lot of my posts to include some sort of aspect of Bigfoot. I don't know. I don't know why. It was like a third of my tweets now are like just Bigfoot. It's great. Um, I, I'll, this is the last one I'll share here. Um, something about the economy. It was when Trump came out for his pre press conference and said, hey, we hit 30,000 on the Dow Jones Industrial. Uh, I commented and said, Trump willed this economy back. All him. No credit to corrupt Dems who believe in Bigfoot. 155 upvotes, 155. And then I didn't even notice, notice this, but I was, uh, apparently people commented on it, five people. Some guy commented and said, hey, don't lump Bigfoot in with the Dems. Just because Biden is elusive and their policies smell like the skunk doesn't mean that, hey, wait, maybe they have more in common than I thought. So their side, I'm, they're, they believe in me right now. One person commented, now hold on, playa, Bigfoot is real. I was going to say, I would have thought that crowd would be all in on Bigfoot. And that's exactly what I, that's what I thought. And people, oh my, it, eating it up. I think at one point when they found out that Trump was pardoning Flynn, I said, punishing Flynn for being an, for being an American patriot is un-American. Just ask Pelosi and her squad. They know the truth about everything, including Bigfoot. Five upvotes. <laughs> Just like stupid stuff. And it happens so fast. It's, it, I got to delete the app. Like it's just getting, it's eating up a lot of my time and. There's no reason for people to be liking the stuff I'm posting. It's absolute utter nonsense. And I, I started. Yeah, I can't remember if we mentioned this in our last episode, but I'm actually thinking it's going to be a good thing because it'll hopefully just draw all those negative comments into that app instead of having them on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. So hopefully it'll just be a, become a vacuum for right wing social media profiles. It's ugly in there. There's literally, I don't think I've seen anything from the other side at all. So I'm kind of contemplating do I need to just like switch my allegiances there and just jump over to the other side and try to play the defender but it's just going to be a losing battle it's fun yeah, to i don't know why you would even bother well it's just fun to make them say ridiculous things trying to get them to say stupid stuff no i'm i'm hooked and i'm a little bit i don't want to be accused of single white female in you because i got the same dog as you uh same breed but i'm i'm thinking about adding the app myself <laughs> <laughs> do it like this sounds amazing it sounds absolutely amazing. My profile picture is a bald eagle in front of a flag. So 
pander to the crowd, man. What else could it be? Yeah. All righty, let's go ahead and introduce our beers here. Uh, Ryan, you want to start? Yes, I would love to start. I am, uh, because of Thanksgiving, I'm, uh, I went, well, you'll see. Uh, I went with uh, Big Grove Brewery out of Iowa City. It's the Cranberry Plum Swirl Fruited Sour Ale. Uh, kind of a long title. But uh, the cranberry pulled me to it on, on uh, this Thanksgiving. Uh, I'd like to read from the can if I might. Uh, let me know if I'm too close to the microphone here, but I'm going to bring it in here. Stepping into autumn, our cranberry plum swirl provides a dark fruit option in the Big, Big Grove Swirl series. The slightly bitter taste of cranberry, the sweetness of vanilla and milk sugar, <laughs> and a touch of juicy plum, create an irresistible flavor profile that pairs well with fireside chats and five course meals. Ooh, fireside chats. There we go. Nice. This beer contains lactose. <laughs> yeah, I got uh, single speed brewing, tip the cow. Uh, single speeds out of Waterloo. I think this is kind of one of their flagship beers. Uh, it's a cocoa espresso milk stout. I'm drinking the bikini bottom it's hard to see this with the light i have in here bikini bottom um pineapple wheat ale from five cities brewing out of bettendorf it's got a nice little message on there it says henry approved hashtag henry approved certified good boy right there am i supposed to know who henry is no i don't know who henry is i just think that's it's a cool little it's certified it's a dog on a can you gotta buy it certified good boy hey is that good yeah it's pretty good pretty solid I almost got, I almost went with that today as well. I saw it, thought about it. Well, I mean, you know, knowing you, getting the same dog as me, downloading the parlor app, you probably would have got the same beer as me too. So yeah, I'm gonna make a note, um, grab that. I'm not the only single white female on the podcast. You're probably start going to Starbucks, getting a white chocolate mocha here pretty soon. Just give it time. My daughter works there. I'm allowed. <laughs> Our special guest today, Steve Hofstetter, um, and we just figured this out. He is the third Ivy League school graduate we will have on this show so far. Third. We've had um, Mike Draper of Penn, uh, Rob Sand at Brown, and now we're going to have Steve Hofstetter, who graduated from Columbia University. He's also from, I didn't realize this, but from a school, a uh, high school. He graduated from Hunter College High School in 97, and that school is just unbelievably intense, like wildly intelligent they ha it's it located in the carnegie carnegie hill neighborhood in the upper east side of manhattan the wall street journal called it the prestigious upper east side school known for its ivy league bound students um for the fast track to law and medicine uh they some of the graduates there's a just a litany of just people down the list of like alumni um some of the ones that i noticed uh lynn manuel miranda uh from hamilton the guy who wrote hamilton he graduated there i believe they graduated the same year um Elena Kagan, Supreme Court Justice, graduated from that high school. So maybe potentially the smartest person we've interviewed. And he's a, he's a comedian, which I've always told people, comedians are some of the smartest people out there. They're smart, usually the smartest person in the room. I mean, he's definitely going to be the smartest person in this room. In this Zoom. Zoom. Yeah, there you go. Good catch. Um, Steve has been all over the place. He, he uh, minus, I guess, being a stand-up comedian – he also dabbles with sports a lot. He's, uh, he's on the MLB Network quite a bit. Um, he hosted his own show called Laughs on Fox, uh, hosted a, like a documentary kind of special called Finding Babe Ruth, 
where he worked with the MLB network. Uh, so he's, he's all over the place. There was a video of him getting yelled at by Stephen A. Smith for three minutes. So I'm curious to see where he, how he feels about Stephen A. Smith. He's got a lot of videos on YouTube. You check him out on YouTube. Um, a lot of videos of him dealing with hecklers. Um, he's great at dealing with hecklers. A lot of people speak out at a show and he just kind of, a, you know, demolishes them. And uh, it's fun to hear him just kind of go off banter. So it's fun. I'm sure you guys watched several of his videos. I've seen a bunch of his uh, videos. Um, actually, before we were, before I even knew we were doing this, um, I'd seen a lot of his videos where he basically rips into hecklers. Um, and it's, uh, it's pretty, they're pretty good. They're pretty funny. Um, he also does like some political humor. So it'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, the divisiveness in, in politics that we've seen, if that carries over into some of his shows and creates more heckling, uh, cause he does, uh, do some political humor as well. Um, yeah, I'm curious if he's got ADD as many different things as he, he's into, got his hands in, um, you know, I kind of checked on his website. He's written, um, books. He's got, uh, comedy albums. Um, yeah all kinds of stuff. So very interesting, very interesting guy. All right, so here is our very special guest, stand-up comedian, Steve Hofstetter. So uh, we'd like to welcome you to our show, Pints and Diplomacy, where we talk to politicians, we talk to really anybody who dives into that area of politics. We have a couple beers at a brewery, and um, we just kind of hang out and just show how to humanize different people that often are put on a pedestal. And yeah, it's what we do. We just kind of banter and talk about what's going on in the world. There's, there are three of us here on this. Uh, my name is Tyler. Uh, we have a, uh, another guy named Ryan and Jared just joined. He's just joining right now. So we're, he's just here. So we're ready to go. So uh, thank you for joining our show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now I only remember two names at a time. So that third guy is going to have to, you know, I'll, I'll call him Carl or something. So there you cool. go. We, we literally change his name all the time. We were talking, we were calling him Palm Pilot earlier. Cause like in third grade, uh, he was bragging about having a Palm Pilot, and we all made fun of him. So it's his thing. Oh, he doesn't have man. a set name. <laughs> I, feel, I feel bad about that because that's totally like – I would have been so excited to have a Palm Pilot, <laughs> especially because they weren't invented yet. We were jealous more than anything, I'm pretty sure, but I'm sure he'll love hearing that. <laughs> um, so I want to start off here. Um, I, I've been following you, uh, like your, your YouTube page, quite a bit. And I saw you at a show back in like 2010 or 2011 is my freshman year at Central College in Pella. And I, and I, when I reached out to you, I mentioned that show and you, you said there was some funny exchange that happened after that show or something that happened. Yes. So it actually was unrelated to the show, but it happened in Pella. So it was a, uh, it was very like snowy and icy. Um, and the next day I go to my car, you know, my rental car. And the trunk was completely crumpled in. Oh. Um, I had parked across from an I from a state of Iowa, like Department of Transportation, giant freaking orange vehicle, <laughs> and my trunk was crumpled in, and there was orange paint on it. So it was pretty obvious as to what happened. <laughs> and I went into the I went into the front desk of the hotel, and I asked if they have footage of it, and they said yes. So I was like, okay, cool, I'm good. It's a state vehicle. No problem. I'll just go, you know, go through the car, rental comedy, tell them what happened, etc. So these guys swear they didn't hit anybody. So the idea that I somehow got orange paint on my car across from their orange car was completely independent of them. And I told this, like, I, and I said, I have video of this. Like, it happened. I have video. And uh, 
they were like, oh, well, no, you know, must have been someone else on the video. It wasn't us. And they kept swearing that. And so there's this thing in Iowa State where you can file a claim with the Department of Transportation if they cause any harm. And so even though I needed, it was only, uh, I think it was like 300 bucks to cover the difference that the rental car company didn't cover. Sure. Um, I filed a claim for $25,000. So I like itemized everything and they gave me the $300 check in like a day. <laughs> they were just like, we're dismissing the rest. Here's your check. Please leave us alone. We're like, I was like, thank you. So I, you know, the show, the show was fine, but, uh, but fuck the Iowa Department of Transportation. So that's right. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I never forget that show because, uh, the town of Pella is so conservative and religious. Like that's really what it is. And going to that show and I'll never forget the line you said, I mean, I'll butcher it a little bit, but you mentioned how like, Oh, Pella must suck to kind of live here because you know, if it's midnight, you can't really order any food anywhere. And you're like, I, I think at the time, maybe you lived in New York. Uh, I want to see you like, yeah. And like, I, I live in New York at 2am. If I want to call up and s I can do that. And everybody's minds, like the people I were with were ultra conservative, didn't know how to process that. It was hilarious. I'll be honest. I'm shocked I said that, but I do, I do recall saying something like that. Um, I also did get blowback from your, uh, from the student activities people saying that like the idea of, oh, we're conservative town, et cetera, afterward. And I said to them beforehand, I go, oh, you understand that before the show, I specifically asked if I was censored at all. And you said, no, like, did, did you mean that you're just afraid to admit that you censor people? You don't like the word. Like they don't even like the word censorship. That's how much they censor. So I, uh, yeah, I, you know, that was my one and only show at that school. Um, but it was fun. I, the crowd themselves were great. You know, I think the, the students were fun. It was uh, one of those small but mighty crowds, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. The the student body there is pretty split, liberal, conservative, but the community in itself is very Trumpy. So uh, you've been on me and me and Tyler are both pretty big baseball fans. We both coach baseball, and so it kind of stood out to us right away uh, that you've spent a little bit of time on the MLB Network, which is friggin' incredible. So do you think uh, do you think the Astros got off easy with the cheating scandal? Oh, by not being punished at all? Yes, I think they got off very easy. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's that was utterly ridiculous. Like, and it's also bad for the game because clearly fans of 29 other teams wanted to see a little bit of blood. Um, also, the amount of, like, the preposterousness of the lies, like the thing about, uh, what, what was it, something like how Tuve changed because he was, like, because he was embarrassed or he wouldn't take his shirt off because he was embarrassed to take his yeah. shirt off. And it's like, he's got his shirt off in like a hundred other pictures. <laughs> like he had a shirt off on the cover of a magazine. And so like just the out and out lying like that, just be like, Hey, it was a thing we did to get the edge. We got caught. It happened. It's more prevalent than you think. Sorry. And everybody would have been like, all right, you scoundrels. But instead they just keep acting like they're the victim somehow. And it was frustrating because, like, I liked them. I was rooting for them. Um, you know, I was rooting for them as the underdog. I was rooting for them against the Dodgers because I'm a New Yorker. Um, I also threw a pitch for them a couple years before, like when they were still in that, you know, winning 10 games a season kind of mode. <laughs> and, uh, like, and they were super nice to me. And I was, you know, I, I appreciated that. But, 
you know, but I, oh man, they handle that scandal well. I, I think, didn't they just basically fire the coach essentially and like the GM or something like that, and that was it? Yeah, they basically uh, suspended them each for a year. And so the team was like, all right, no worries. And uh, yeah, that was it. I'm, I'm a Cubs fan, but so this year was not real great for us, but would you consider the Dodgers World Series title? Um, should that have an asterisk next to it? And I'm only asking because Ryan's a big Dodgers fan. So the, the 60 game thing? Like yeah, the the idea 60, of 60 games, something. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to discredit his World Series celebration is really all I'm doing. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually think there was no better team to win the World Series this year than the Dodgers because it's a, you know, it's a shortened season and Dodger fans are used to showing up in the third inning and leaving in the sixth. So <laughs> as a Dodger fan, like I, yeah, I, I see. I mean, I wouldn't do that because I'm from Iowa. Like if I'm, if I get tickets to a Dodger game, Showing up early and leaving late, I'm staying yeah. as long as I can. But like, yeah, I I had the MLB Network or MLB uh, package for years, and uh, yeah, it was comical how how that would uh, actually happen. It's not just a so not my, just a funny story, but it, it's real. Um, my buddy is a season ticket holder, big Dodger fan, and he went to Dodger Fest one year, and I went with him. It was a lot of fun. You know, look, I'm a baseball guy. I don't like the Dodgers, but I'm a baseball guy. And there was one part of it where you get to take a picture with the 88 trophy. Now, as a Mets fan, we're the ones who lost in the playoffs to the Dodgers. <laughs> so I took a picture with the trophy where I'm just looking real, real sad. And the person who takes the picture is like, you know, she takes a look at it afterward. And she's like, oh, you weren't smiling in this. Do you want another picture? And I just went, nope. <laughs> like, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be sad <laughs> next to that trophy. Yeah, that captured the essence of that experience for you, probably. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you, you would have been... you what I looked like when I was nine. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was, 10, I was 10 in 88 when the Dodgers won. And, like, that, yeah, I, I remember running around the house uh, when Kurt Gibson hit that home run and in the World Series and, and uh, yeah, just going crazy. So I'm sure you probably had the exact opposite experience going through the the well, uh, speaking of uh speaking of cheating i was at game three of the nlcs do you remember what happened in that game game three no J, uh that was the jay howell pine oh yeah yeah everybody does that <laughs> well kind of so there's a difference between like yeah there's that's one of those things where like a lot of time it's not called out but it's different it's different when like you have a little bit of a substance on the edge of your glove or like you're just holding a, a bottle of wine jar. <laughs> like that's basically what it was. It was so egregious. <laughs> and you know, also that was back in the day where we didn't know who did what. You know, that was back in the day where, where like, you know, we thought that that kind of stuff was awful and never done. And then you go, oh, you know, pitchers do actually do that for for a grip, and you know, it's it's not good. Just don't make it obvious. That's the uh, that's the unwritten rule, as they say. Well, compared to what Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry were probably doing back in the clubhouse, having a little pine tar on your on your on your person, probably kind of a minor violation of uh, the rules. Look, look, who who among us hasn't? Okay, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> no. Were you gonna? Where, where were you gonna go with that? Women or uh, or cocaine? Oh, cocaine. I was uh, the joke was gonna be cocaine. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, <laughs> them having sex in the clubhouse is still legal. Right, it's yeah. Dirt no... baggy, but it's legal. <laughs> like the uh, a, a buddy of mine for my birthday a couple years ago, a buddy of mine got me one of those like authentic '80s satin starter jackets, like mm-hmm. the kind that they used to wear, like you know when it got cold at the stadium. And uh, and so he got me one. It's you know it's just a fun little thing that obviously as a kid I always would have wanted. And uh, he gave it to me. And uh, the first thing I said was, I was like, oh, my God, is this, like, real or is this a replica? And he's like, no, this is real. And I go, holy crap. And I reach in the pocket, and I was like, oh, there's still cocaine. It's real. Uh, so. <laughs> um, doing some research on you, holy smokes. Uh, you graduated from Hunter College High School. That is insane. Like, I didn't – I mean, I've never heard of Hunter College High School, but doing, like, research on it, holy smokes, is that a really good school. Um, like, Elena Kagan graduated from there, which is awesome um doing a little further digging Lin-Manuel Miranda graduated there and there are a few articles out there that mention how you two were bullied by the same person is that true that is true um actually and by the way uh Lin I was in a play I have a playbill from a play that I was in with Lin and Chris Hayes from MSNBC (laughs) like we're all we're we're all in a play together when we were kids um it's a little crazy um, yeah, the idea of like a lot of a lot of people who ended up going on to be successful went to Hunter. Um, uh, Young MC went there. Cynthia Nixon went there. You know, there was always one of these things of like, oh, and Bobby Lopez, who did you know Avenue Q, and uh, mm-hmm. you know he's an EGOT winner. Um, like all these amazing people went there, and there was always this thing of like, well, I'd have to be very successful to ever be the most successful person there. And then Elena Kagan got appointed to the Supreme Court, and it was like, well, damn, that's out of it. There's no, all right, it's done. It's done now. There's nothing you can do. Well, the article said that it was a, a guy that ended up being a famous rapper that was bullying you. Who was it? So, I, I mean, it, so uh, his, his name, his stage name is uh, Immortal Technique. He's, he's someone who's, uh, you know, he's had a lot of success in that world. I think he charted a couple of times. Um, you know, in that world, he's got a pretty big cult following. And a lot sure. of his stuff is about social justice, which is extremely hypocritical considering who he was. Now, I understand that people can grow up and they can change, but show us that you've changed. Like after Lynn talked about it in an interview, it went a little bit viral. And, you know, he came out and said, yeah, you know, I was, I was a bad person back then. And I've grown and I've changed. And I think a lot of us at Hunter were just kind of like, Oh, oh, cool. Could you maybe apologize directly to us instead of just a reporter then? Would that be nice? He knows how to reach me. Yeah. How, what was the level of bullying that he did? Like, or if you, if you don't have to share, obviously, but what was, what kind of stuff did you deal with? Mine, mine were, uh, he pulled a knife on me twice. Jeez. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that counts. Um, other people got it way worse. Worse than having a knife pulled? Well, he didn't touch me with it. <laughs> you know, he just, he just scared me. But if you want to hear, if you want to hear some, I, I, I write about this in my book. I have to change everybody's name, but, you know, there was actually one thing where a friend of mine had gotten into a fight with someone else, and there were a bunch of us that were kind of crowded around, and he comes over to me with a razor blade in his mouth and just says, Steve, give me a kiss. And that's some super villain shit, guys. That is like that 
to some crazy shit. And there's a part I talk about in the book where, like, part of me thought about, like, trying to trip him. Because, you know, you're, you put a blade in your mouth, it ain't my fault. But also, there's that line from Usual Suspects, how do you shoot the devil in the back and what if you miss? What if you miss, yeah. So, I was just like, this is not my fight. Please, please leave me alone. <laughs> so, that's, uh, yeah, that's Felipe. So I guess I guess bullying happens at any kind of school throughout. I, I guess apparently, goodness. That's I mean it's almost yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy that, that it happens to that level because it seems like everything about that school is just like I mean we I don't know about Ryan but Tyler and I went to the same school in small town Iowa so that's sort of all everything about that school to me is like seems like something out of a movie or a TV show. Yeah. Well, most of most things were were perfectly normal and friendly and in fact there was a there was a moment i recall where you know like we were a very big chess school you know we had like we had at one point we had the number one and number two ranked high school chess players in the country and the number one player was so good that he played the number two player with his back to the board and still won like that's the kind of school it was most of the time and the guy who was the number two player he i remember he was wearing a shirt that had like a math joke on it. Um, and I remember saying to him, like, you understand how lucky you are to go to this school where you could just wear a shirt like that and be fine. Mm-hmm. Like we're in New York city. You, you know, you take that, you take that shirt to DeWitt Clinton or LaGuardia or, a, you know, a school that's a little more rough and tumble. And you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna be wearing that shirt by the end of the day. So, you know, Hunter was a wonderful place in many, in many regards, but as they say, nature abhors a vacuum, and someone was going to be the tough guy, and Felipe decided it was going to be him. So does, does that, like, I'm, I don't know if I'm reaching here, but I'm curious. So I think we've all seen um, your, your videos that you post where you basically uh, destroy hecklers. Like, does that experience with bullies from your past, from, from your youth, does that impact how you, because I mean, that's basically what, what a heckler is trying to do. They're trying to bully, you know, bully you while you're up on stage. Is that why you basically put them in their place like you do? Oh, absolutely. The, like, I mean, I guess it's why I have the ability to. It's, look, I'm the youngest of four. And, you know, two of the other three were fiercely quick. The third one, not so much. But yeah. two of the other three were, you know, were brutal in a good way. And then, you know, and then also, you know, growing up in a, in a, you know, not great neighborhood and getting bullied in school, you know, sense of humor is a defense mechanism. And so being able to defend yourself, you have to either do it physically or you have to do it with your tongue. And that's how I learned to do it. So when, when these people, when these people decide, make that decision um, that they want to that they want they they want to heckle the guy on stage like do they understand they're dealing with a ivy league educated um you know somebody basically that gets paid to like be quick on their feet um witty like they're they're not putting two and two together i'm guessing well i I also don't think it's a decision (laughs) i think it's a i think it's one of these things where like some of us have the capability to decide things and some of us just bump around the world and that's who that's who's yelling out if you were making a decision you could weigh it and go you know i'm completely an amateur here and this person is trained has the spotlight has a microphone 
and has a crowd that's rooting for them. I bet I could win. No one's going to make that decision. The, you know, to me, I think it's a, it's a lack of deductive reasoning. It's, you know, oh, you're the funniest one in your dumb friend group of dumb, unfunny people that are dumb. And thus, you suddenly think, you know, you're a good swimmer in a kiddie pool, but you've never been in the ocean. And that's who these people are. You're the shark. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're a shark. You, you've won all these one-on-one games when you're playing basketball against second graders. So you decided to try to challenge someone in the NBA. <laughs> do, you, do you get anyone that, now that you've kind of got a reputation for taking down hecklers, do you get anyone that heckles you just because they want to see you, like see how you'll react or like what you'll, how you'll take them down? No, um, I, it's happened one time and I deleted the footage, kicked the guy out. Um, the, everybody wants to see it. Nobody wants to be it. You know, like you, you want to, you want to witness it happening, but you don't want to be embarrassed in front of everybody. Um, not to mention, I'll bet anything, a couple people have come to shows with that in mind. And then once they see the setup, and they see the fact that it's like there's lights on, which they're not used to, you know, like they're not used to spotlight. They're not used to everybody focused on someone else They're And also they'd have to find the right time to yell out. And when they're seeing, you know, when the show's going well, it's kind of rocking and rolling. And for them to have to interrupt that flow, I bet anything that some people have showed up, lost the nerve and just decided to watch the show. Which yeah. is probably the right call. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I I am a I'm a sniper. I have the ability to shoot someone from very far away. I would rather sit on a roof and eat a sandwich. That's a better day. <laughs> um the in the last few days there's been some news that have come out about uh Dave Chappelle and his like ongoing spat with yeah. him, I feel like uh, Comedy Central essentially he released a video saying that he wants to he's trying to encourage people that love him and watch his show to stop watching the Chappelle show. Um, I was wondering if like, from a comedian standpoint, can you maybe elaborate and explain to us and our listeners maybe a little bit better what he's going through? Oh, I, so I watched the video yesterday and okay. it resonated with me so hard. Um, the part where he talked about how, you know, when you're a kid and you sign a contract, you kind of don't have a choice. So my first show, I had a horrible deal. And when the show got picked up and got extended, I thought, oh, now I could renegotiate. And because I just said yes to whatever the hell they offered in the beginning, because I kind of had no choice. I didn't even have representation at the time. I had no agent, no manager, nothing. And so I said yes. And then we did 13 episodes that got picked up and I tried to renegotiate. And, you know, the, the EVP of the network said, you have no leverage. And it, he was right. He was right. The only reason that they would ever give me partial ownership of it, a decent pay rate, etc., is because they thought that that would be equitable. If I walked away, it wouldn't have mattered. And so I had no choice because I had no leverage. And I begrudgingly said he was right. And I went out and I got leverage. And now... If I ever have another contract like that, I will have leverage because I have enough reach 
that they need me more than I need them. And sure. that's the only time you can ever have leverage. And the idea of this, the predatory practices of the entertainment industry are disgusting. And, you know, good for him for, for calling them out on it. Yeah. It, is that a, so is that, would that be a similar thing? So I'm just off the top of my head. I know Dave Chappelle's come out recently about all this stuff. And I knew that he had issues with that years ago. Um, but I know just listening to the news, Taylor Swift's kind of dealing with some issues with her agent and stuff about Scooter Yep. Something, yeah, and they're, they're doing. She's like remaking all her music now because she wants ownership of it all. And so, how does do they just when you sign a contract? Sometimes do they just like they own your brain? Then like anything you think of and put out there is theirs now. Um, not any, not any work product, but any work product that pertains to what they have. Okay. And yeah, and you know, and obviously they're allowed to. You know, one of the things Chappelle talked about is you know they're allowed to use his likeness in yeah. perpetuity. Um. There are better contracts than others, and as you get bigger, you're more in the driver's seat and you sign better deals. For the most part, your first contract is there so that you can get a better second contract. Mm -hmm. And it sucks, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't work like that. The idea of participating in success is something that every, every artist should be able to do. I get that you don't want to look, getting a show on the air is winning the lottery from the time you create the show to the time it actually airs there are so many steps where it could go wrong and networks risk a lot of money on that i get that especially in the sitcom world which is not a world i've done but like in the sitcom world you know they're spending mil you know a million dollars on a pilot they need to be able to recoup that but once they recoup that they absolutely need to share their success with artists and it should be done in a more equitable fashion were you a big fan of the Chappelle show oh absolutely um you know I, I think it was I think it was genius and there's a there's a wonderful podcast called what really ha happened that did a really great episode on the aftermath of when he left and the yeah. kind of the hit on his reputation that Comedy Central was responsible for mm -hmm. the amount of false information and negative information about him is so disgusting and that he had to live through that you know a lot of times they forget we're human beings like even when my when when my show got picked up i was told specifically hey we'll probably let you know monday latest we'll let you know is thursday i didn't hear from them for three months three months including me trying not to be annoying but also checking in hey everything okay blah 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 no response nothing and then three months later being like, hey, we're going to pick up the show. And it's like, oh, oh, great. Do you understand how difficult that was for me mentally? God. Like, do you understand how, how easy it would have been to say, hey, we're not sure right now. We're probably going to look at this over the summer. So sit tight. I was going to say, when I went out for America's Got Talent, um, I passed the audition. Um, usually the auditions are, you know, between 30 seconds and two minutes. They had me do a half hour of stand-up. Because the thing that they were interested in me was that I had a lot of different material and that I could do, you know, I didn't have to stick to, oh, here's my character and I could be laser focused. And so they kept being like, all right, do you have anything like this? Do you have anything about that, et cetera? I ended up doing a half hour for the producers. <laughs> they had me uh, give them pictures and descriptions of like everyone in my life because they want backstory. They had me fill out this 15 page application. 
And when I say fill out an application, I don't mean write your name and your address. I mean write essays. 15 pages of it with, with probably 50 different pictures I gathered, all this stuff. And I, you know, I didn't hear from them. And so once they started doing, uh, you know, shooting again, I wrote back and I said, hey, it's clear that you guys have passed on me. Thank you for the opportunity because I'm a professional and I like to not burn bridges. Mm-hmm. And they wrote back and said, hey, you're still on the short list. This is not over yet. We're just trying to get through the whole list. We're a little backed up. Thank you for your patience. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then I never heard from them again. Oh. Until two years later, two years later when they reached out to me, and I had a much bigger following then, and they reached out to me and they're like, hey, we'd like you to consider doing the show. And I said, no, thank you. Why is that? Because of what I went through. Okay. So, yeah. I'm not going gonna, I'm not gonna to let them do that to me twice. And I'm, and I'm okay. Like, look, exposure like that is unquestionably valuable, but I also don't need it. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And so I would much rather sleep well at night, be confident in who I work with. And that said, I have three dear friends who have been producers on that show and who have, who are wonderful, wonderful people who are always straight up. Um, I also know comedians who have finished in the top five or the top some of them in the top two and have nothing but good things to say about their experiences and then i also know people who have been completely taken advantage of by that show and or or, and other shows and i just i don't need to go through that i'm i'm perfectly fine doing digital content i'm happy so reading through your bio like you've done you know you've done tv you've been in you've been in movies you've been books written books social media stand-up like i was as reading through that i'm like does this guy have ADD or is it like, is it kind of back to what you're talking about here where you want to, you want to have your hand in, in as many things as possible. That way you don't like, you don't need them. Like they need you more than, than you need them. Is that kind of the idea? It's a couple ideas. I mean, one, talk to any entrepreneur and they'll tell you that the secret is to diversify. Right. Because you cannot bet everything you have on one thing. Every now and then that works, but that is rare. Also, like the, I, I look at the entertainment world as a, there are those pyramids in Mexico, those four-sided pyramids that they have steps on each side. Now, if you go up the step on one side and you walk around to the next side, you're still one step higher. So if you can gain a step as a writer or an actor or a producer or a comic, you're still going up the pyramid. Just recently, I, I was listening to, uh, it was a Howard Stern interview with Norm MacDonald. And uh, he was, Norm, Norm MacDonald's talking about this interaction that he had with Rodney Dangerfield. And Rodney Dangerfield is, is telling him, it was uh, like a, the, uh, the rehearsal for Saturday Night Live. And Rodney Dangerfield's complaining about, why do we have to do this rehearsal? You know, I'm a professional. I know what I'm gonna, I know the jokes that I'm going to tell. I know what I'm going to do. He's like, TV's, TV's shit. This is shit, Norm. Like, TV is shit. And then there's a pause and he goes, you know what? And movies, movies are shit. You know, all you do is sit around all day and sit in your trailer. Movies are shit. And then there's this another pause and he goes, you know what? Stand up comedy, stand up comedy is where it's at. And then Norm MacDonald says, there's this big long pause where five minutes, nobody says anything. And finally Rodney Dangerfield goes, stand up comedy shit. And so he's like, Norm's takeaway, (laughs) it's all shit. But I guess to you, if you could only do one of the, the, all of the things that you've done, whether it's, uh, you know, even not just in comedy, but also like being on the MLB network, talking about sports, uh, you know, 
what what would be that one thing that you would choose to to keep doing if there if everything else had to go away uh, i'm a stand-up comic and i actually always find it funny when comics who are you know at the level of playing these sold out theater tours and they complain about oh it's so exhausting and i'm just like how exactly is it exhausting because what's exhausting is when you're setting up your own tour and you're unloading your own merch and you're booking your own hotel and you're, you know, doing all that stuff. When you show up to a sold out show, having flown first class or private, you show up, people wait on you hand and foot. They do everything for you. They hand you the accounting, they hand you the check, you hang out with your friends and you go to the next city. How is that tiring? That's amazing. And so, and I understand that, it's easy to get tired of it. As Chris Rock says, there was someone out there who cheated on Halle Berry. Someone got tired of fucking Halle Berry. <laughs> I understand that, like, it's human nature to be bored in whatever it is that you're doing. But to me, the idea I'm just now, this year, like next year, is when I booked my first couple of really big theaters. Like, I have a couple of theaters that are all over a 1,000 seats. And they're in August, and, you know, fingers crossed that that still happens. But I've had a little taste of that with these, like, three, 400-seaters, and it's the best. I can't even imagine complaining at that level. I've never heard that one before. There's somebody out there that cheated on Halle Berry. That's, that's hilarious. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. We'll dive into some politics here a little bit. Um, Donald Trump here we are some 20 ish days, whatever, after the election, he's still yet to concede the election. Do you foresee ever in anybody's lifetime in the existence of ever Donald Trump conceding the election without throwing in like a, you know, I lost because they cheated. I want to like, do you think he'll ever flat out admit he lost fair and square? No, no, because he has stumbled on a way to make money. And that's all he wants to do. He has no, he has no compass whatsoever other than money. And he has stumbled on how to, how to make it. And if he suddenly gets honest about it mm-hmm. and honest about what his real values are, then he'll lose that. And right now, you know, he seems to be about $400 million in debt. So he still needs to make a lot of money after this. Yeah, what do you uh, see as his next step going forward? I know there's been a lot of talk about him starting a, his own news show or this, that, the other thing. What do, what do you see him doing? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at some sort of digital network. Um, you know, and, and he's already started laying the groundwork for that by talking about how dishonest Fox News is. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's what he's doing. I think he's starting to get people to look for something new and that's how he's going to do it. You got to keep that Trump train rolling. <laughs> oh my God. <gosh>. So <laughs> like, how has this impacted your comedy routines? I and mean, you've been doing comedy uh, before Trump was president. Has that led to like any major changes in your routines? Have you noticed people becoming more offended? Um, you know, I, I definitely had people yell out at me about him. Um, I don't talk about him much on stage. I have, in my current set, I have one reference to him. Um, I had to tweak a joke to reference him 
when I was doing overseas stuff, because the joke was originally about Ann Coulter, but they don't know her there. And so, you know, how to make it about him. Um, but for the most part, you know, like, and, and people will always say, like, oh, well, wasn't he good for comedy? I'm a human first. Mm-hmm. So, and what's really good for comedy is the audience not dying. That's good for comedy. You know, people having disposable income is pretty good for comedy. So I, I think him, uh, you know, him losing is fantastic for comedy. But I will tell you, when he got elected, the next day I had a set of the Laugh Factory. And I did 15 minutes of the most progressive stuff I had. I did 15 minutes on pro-choice and feminism and homophobia and uh, immigration and just every topic I could throw at them. And it reminded me that like, oh yeah, this is why I'm a comic. I'm a comic to say something, not to get laughs, to say something. And, you know, with Trump being elected and with the support he still has, we have to remember to keep saying something. Do you get any, so we've heard, you know, because the athletes have been trying to speak out or have been speaking out, not just trying, they're, they are speaking out more. Um, have you, and, and then you get the pushback, the shut up and dribble or shut up and play. Do you get people telling you, hey, come on, enough with the politics, you know, just, just tell jokes, man. Just tell jokes. Just make us laugh. Oh, I actually have a, a series I started doing on YouTube called Stick to Comedy. And it is a series where, you know, I mean, it's still funny stuff, but it's uh, the first one I did was about, you know, why masks help and why the government has every power to tell us to compel us to wear them. That's um, not infringing on our and, Wait, Isn't that infringing on my freedoms? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I actually, uh, I plan, I'm getting back to uh, LA tomorrow. And once I'm back, I'm going to go with a, with a buddy of mine. Um, my plan is to uh, go to, you know, go to a gas station where the staff isn't wearing masks and just walk in with my dog and have them try to throw me out. <laughs> and just I'm so excited. Like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Are you, are you able to enforce policies? Because, you know, put a damn mask on. That's beautiful. So thank you. Um, yeah, it's something I get all the time. And, you know, the, the thing I try to explain to people you know, aside from telling them to fuck up, is that they're not, they're not my audience. Like, the, the idea of someone thinking that they're every comedian's audience. Like, look, I've never bought a dress. I'm not a dress store's audience. I'm not walking into a dress store saying, you're losing half your audience. No, they're doing great. They're selling dresses to people who want to buy dresses. I don't want to buy one. That's on me, not them. You have a video out there that's uh, where you solve gun violence in America in three minutes. Can you solve <laughs> every problem in America in 10? Well, I don't solve it. I just say, I just <laughs> offer a solution for it. Um, if the solution was followed, I do believe it would solve it. But um, yeah, you know, I think, I think there are too many problems with 10 minutes. I think I would need... I, I would need three minutes per problem. Okay. So okay. just let's figure out how many problems there are, multiply by three, and then we're good. It would take more than three minutes just to name the problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we give every uh, every politician that comes on our show, we give them some time to talk about their policies and kind of how they how they want to reach their voters, any undecided voters. Um, what would you want to say to any listeners about where they can find information on you? Um, well, where they can uh, find out more about me, if they want to see me do a show, uh, I'm doing digital shows throughout the pandemic. Um, you can get tickets at nowheretime.com. They are, it is not a passive experience. It's a full audience experience from the comfort of your own home, assuming your home is comfortable. Um, I have weekly shows there, so check them out. I'm on all social media at Steve Hofstetter. Uh, you know, pick whichever one you want. And in terms of what my policies are, I think uh, fixing our education system will fix everything else. This is our Thanksgiving special. We're going to actually edit all this today. I'm going to edit it all today, and we're going to post it tonight. Um, since it's our Thanksgiving special, and Ryan and myself are, are public school teachers, we have some Thanksgiving questions for you. First one, um, which teacher in your life are you most thankful for? Um, his name was Mr. Marienhoff. Um, I talk about him a lot in the book, you know, changed everybody's name, like I said. But uh, he changed the way I looked at pride in having knowledge. You know, before him, I was almost embarrassed to know things. Mm -hmm. And he taught me that with a little bit of effort, it's a good thing. And he, uh, he absolutely changed how I looked at the world. Name, this is going to be a tough one. This will be tricky because there's a lot to choose from probably. Which politician in America are you thankful for? Um, Katie Porter. Oh, yes. Oh, man, I'm so glad you said that. That's awesome. I love Katie Porter. <laughs> yeah, because like what she does, is the basics that every politician should do. Mm -hmm. That's who a politician should be. Do you, do you yeah, think? But also someone, someone who, someone who I'm not, I wasn't as familiar with until recently, but Senator Whitehouse is pretty, and the work that he's been doing with tracing dark money um, and its influence on the judicial system is really, really impressive. Yeah, that's, those are two good ones. Uh, what, what, what would you, do you think uh, Governor Newsom's going to appoint Katie Porter to fill Kamala Harris's seat? Um, I, I don't know. I think it would be a fine choice. It's weird because part of me is like, yes, that would be great. And then part of me is like, oh, I hope another Democrat can win hers. Yeah. You know, she's in a fairly red district. And so now it's becoming more blue. But, you know, having her in the Senate would be pretty great. Well, I, unfortunately, I feel like we could do this all day. Um, we want to thank you, Steve, for coming on. Um, I think uh, it's pretty safe to say we will probably, all three of us, uh, will probably see you May 23rd, 2021, Funny Bone, West Des Moines, um, in Iowa. Uh, we'll probably all be in attendance well, for that. It's safe to say you guys will be in attendance. It is not safe to say the show will happen yet, but we're going to sure as hell try. Fingers so, crossed. Hey, that, uh, the vaccine yeah. is days away. The vaccine's days away, Trump told me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is all going to disappear right after the election, right? Yeah, yeah still waiting on so, that. They didn't say which election. Yeah, um, they didn't say which election. election. Yeah, this will all disappear right after the 2021 election. Um, all right, guys, thanks for having me. I'm yeah, going to go jump and do another interview. Uh, much appreciated. Awesome. Thank thanks you. for joining us. Have a good one. All right, take care, guys.
All right, that was our interview with comedian Steve Hofstetter. Uh, Ryan, what were some of your takeaways from that interview? A uh, big one is uh, Steve's pretty funny. Uh, this just in. No, but like, uh, I, 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 yeah, I kind of alluded to this right away before we started recording. I say the same thing every time, but like, good guy, like, really interesting conversation, wonderful insight. Um, he's done a lot of different stuff which makes it that much more interesting to talk to somebody like that because he can provide so many different angles and so many different perspectives to what we're, what we're talking about. Like, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I, I am just, I've always kind of believed that comedians are always the smartest people in the room and, or in our case, I guess, like you said earlier, the zoom, smartest guy in the, zoom. His, the, the high school he went to was very prestigious. He went to Columbia university He's absolutely very, very smart, intelligent. So I, I love how he's got heckler videos and he just demolishes them all the time, just destroys them one by one. And it's like, we talk about, do, do people realize who they're arguing with at some point? Somebody that's Ivy League educated. Ivy League educated and you're going to try to like, I'm, I'm going to argue with you about anything in this world. So I was going to say on, the, on Steve and his heckling or takedowns of hecklers. I, I like that he, I could see it being really easy for someone who's good at comedy to sort of take like a vindictive pride in shutting down these hecklers, but he was very much like, no, nah, I mean, I'll do it. If somebody steps up to the plate, I'll take them down. But like, I like that his thing of like, I'd rather just sit on and have a sandwich. I'm a sniper, but I'd rather just have a sandwich. Like that was pretty, I like that mentality. because it's, it's good. I think it's good to be aware that you're you're competent enough to like take care of people who are just trying to be dicks about stuff but also not take pleasure in in doing that i love that comparison where you called i'm a sniper i'm a sniper that was terrific i'd rather sit on the roof and eat a sandwich all right so this is our thanksgiving special so we'd like to share some things that we are thankful for uh as we wrap up and i guess this show and begin our holiday season with thanksgiving and christmas just right around the corner so Ryan, you want to share what you're thankful for this year? Yeah, first off, I'd like to give a big shout out to my hair. I'm really thankful for that. I know a lot of people are thinning up top at my age. Not me. I'm really thankful for that. Uh, but on a serious note, like very thankful for um, my family. Um, and that extends just not just uh, to my, um, you know, actual family, but my extended family. And I would consider um, my work family, my, um, the people that I work with every day, huge supports you guys included my friends um yeah there's just there's there's too many people individually the list obviously my children are, are amazing um even though clayton frustrates me like he's six that'll happen he's awesome he was jumping around in the background here earlier um but yeah no super thankful for for my entire family uh and then so one one thanksgiving memory that comes to mind as we're talking about like like you said this is kind of a holiday special um, doing this on Thanksgiving because obviously COVID has, has affected us and impacted us individually. I'm not getting together with my family as a big group this year. Um, I've got, you know, three siblings, they've got kids, their kids have kids. Like it's a huge gathering. My parents are getting up there in years now and we don't want to um, put them at, at any kind of a risk. So we're trying to be responsible. So we're doing like individual things instead of doing a big family thing. So we're missing out on that. But one of my favorite, my all-time favorite uh, Thanksgiving memories, 
it would have been, I believe, 1993-ish. Um, yeah, yeah, it, going in the Wayback Machine. Um, 1993, Adam Sandler had just come out with his first um, album. It was on disc. They're all, they're all going to laugh at you. Um, but it was called They're All Going to Laugh at You. And I remember vividly, it, like it was last week or yesterday, I can remember me and my brothers huddled around, and my brother-in-law, Ralph, huddled, huddled around my dad's stereo in our house in Durant, where, where I grew up, listening to Adam Sandler's disc. Like, it had medium pace on there. I don't know if you guys are familiar. It might be before your time. Check it out if you don't know. But, like, there's some filth on there. So we're like all huddled up, standing around my dad's stereo, listening to this disc. Um, that will, that's one of my all-time favorite um, Thanksgiving memories. So again, just uh, very thankful for, for family and uh, the memories and the things that we do on, on Thanksgiving. Um, I, I would share that I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for this holiday season. Uh, I know there's my mom, I guess my mom is one of the people, one of the 12.9, almost 13 million people in this country that have tested positive for COVID. And she was one of the fortunate ones to have a asymptomatic case. So she's actually now back to work starting, I think yesterday or today. So she's doing fine. And so that's, I'm thankful that she wasn't faced with like a really difficult strain of the virus or a difficult, difficult bout of the virus. Another thing I'm thankful for would be uh, voting because if anybody ever tells you your vote doesn't count, this year is the year to tell you that you're wrong. Um, because you look at Georgia, one of those races was bound to go to a runoff in the Senate. The other one came down to just a few votes, really, because it brought uh, the leader down to 49.9%. And I think even dropped a little bit further in that, which triggered the automatic runoff. And so now Georgia, I, I'm not, I wouldn't, if I lived in Georgia, I wouldn't be thankful for the fact that I have to deal with another month of TV ads. But uh, it's, your vote matters. And then you look at our district, uh, Iowa too, with Rita Hart, and she's down to like potentially winning by one or two or three votes or losing by a couple votes. We don't know. Your vote matters. So be thankful and uh, make sure you, you exercise your opportunity to vote because you never know when it could impact you. I mean, one of our guests with West Breckenridge and John Dunwell, their race came down to just a minuscule amount of votes too. So local races matter too. Every vote counts. It's not just a catchphrase. That is our show. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our guest, Steve Hofstetter. Uh, very special, very special guest. Very, very special guest. Uh, thank you for listening and uh, enjoy Thanksgiving. Be informed. Be thankful. Don't heckle Steve Hofstetter. And have a happy Thanksgiving. All right, I'm gonna stop recording. Politics does not touch football. Politics is winner, take all. It always has been, and it always will be. Too many OBGYNs aren't able to practice their love with women all across this country. There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America.